0: اعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم قال الم اقل لك انك لن تستطيع معي صبرا قال ان سالتك عن شيء بعدها فلا تصاحبني قد بلغت مني من عذرا فانطلق قَالَ لَوْ شِئْتَ لَاتَّخَذْتَ عَلَيْهِ أَجْرًا قَالَ هَذَا فِرَاقُ بَيْنِي وَبَيْنِكَ سَأُنَبِّئُكَ بِتَأْوِيلِ مَا لَمْ تَسْتَطِعْ عَلَيْهِ صَبَرًا الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليماً كثيراً إلى يوم الدين أما بعد Alhamdulillah, we are finishing off Suratul Al-Kahf today and starting the 16th juz of the Quran so we're over the halfway mark insha'Allah, Allah facilitate the second half as He facilitated the first half and in the 16th juz there's the rest of Suratul Al-Kahf for a few pages and then after that comes Surah Maryam, the entire Surah Maryam which is relatively short surah and then a slightly larger surah, Surat Taha, which is also entirely uh, in the 16th, Jews. So we're going to be looking at the rest of Kahf, and then Maryam, and then Suratul Al- Taha. May Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala facilitate. So we've discussed a lot uh, of Suratul Al-Kahf already, that it contains three larger stories that deal with the main topics of materialism, and materialism and Islam of faith in general. And they had three, uh, aside from the three major stories, they had the three, you can say, uh, examples, out of which one was like a story anyway. So we've done all of those. We've just got the last story left, which is Dhul Qarnayn's story. But as we start from verse 75, which is the beginning of uh, the 16th juz, that's still a continuation of Musa and Khidr alayhi story. Having said that, um, if you've already been able to figure out what the lesson is in each of these stories relating to faith and materialism right? what, is the, what is the lesson in each of these stories if you've been able to figure, I mean they're all about materialism but what what aspect exactly so i think if you if you think over it deeply the story of of the kahf of the people of the Kahf, ashabul kahf those people their story is more about firmness of faith firmness on faith in the face of just persecution or danger or aggression The story or the example of the person with the the gardens, that was clearly about wealth. That was clearly about becoming misguided or deluded by wealth and thinking that that's going to help you out and give you the security that you require. And even though the person was a person of faith, supposedly, then number three, this story of Musa alayhi salam and uh, Khidr alayhi salam, we will discuss what the main lesson from that is. And then we have the story of Dhul Qarnain, And again we can discuss the main story Or the main gist of that story as as well Related to the tension between faith and materialism So anyway, the story of Musa alayhi salam Which we discussed yesterday anyway With Khidr alayhi salam The idea was that uh, he was going to tell him the story And he, uh, well, from verses 79 He tells him the reasoning And I think we went through the reasoning yesterday anyway So we really don't need to Discuss this again. Um, he gave him the reasons for why he did the three different acts. Right. Now let us start from وَإِسْأَلُونَكَ عَنْ which is verse eighty-three, and that is where the last story begins. After that, there's a uh, just a roundup and advice of the Prophet ﷺ, to the Prophet ﷺ and about Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. So عَنْ قُلْ سَأَتْلُو عَلَيْكُمْ مِنْهُ دِكرا. They also ask you. Remember, there were three questions that the they had asked. Um, the people of Makkah had gone to the Bani Israel because they were people of the book and they said, give us some questions that we can ask. So these were three of the questions, the Ruḥ, and this and the kahf. Uh, The Prophet ﷺ, well, the Quran reveals uh, in detail two of them and about the Ruḥ, He gave the general general kind of answer which we covered yesterday. So now this is Dhul Qarnayn. They ask you about Dhul Qarnayn, Qul say that I will recite to you the mention of it, the account of it, I will let you know. So, the discussion there is that this was a very long time ago. And some people have maybe even argued that this is a time of the Pangaea. That basically means when the continents were together. Allah knows best. I haven't got enough research to determine that for myself. But there are some people who say that this is when all the continents were together, a huge supercontinent, they called it, the Pangaea, such, uh, so many million years ago. That is basically when Morocco today is next to New Jersey, literally a few miles away, right? um next to each other if you put the jigsaw together but anyway either way whatever it is because the way the discussion is and they've taken it from that discussion but it's not necessary that that has to be the case because what it mentions about Zul Qarnayn is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that we would given him you know one of the really special things about Dhul Qarnain is that he was kind of the super king like he was the super ruler over everything right and everything was seemingly under his control and he was very powerful But aside from being powerful and having everything at his disposal, the thing that was very interesting about him that sets him apart, which is basically the lesson to draw from here, is that he was a person of faith. He was a person of consideration. He was a person of care, right? Which is the true traits of a ruler, of rule, and and a ruler. So, to tell you the story in brief, uh, he first goes. (inaudible) He took he took a course. حَتَّىٰ إِذَا بَلَغْ مَغْرِبَ الشَّمْسِ So you learn that from verse 86. He goes towards the west first. al shamsi, To basically where the sun is going to set. right? So that's in the place of the setting of the sun. And he found, uh, I mean, basically he found some people there. And uh, there was an interaction there. Then after that he heads east. right? He takes care of the west first. He then takes care of the east. Then it says, again he took another path so he was going on these expeditions it seems and he took the third time and at that time it says Hata ida Balah بَيْنَ Saddain where he got to a place which may have been in between the two in another direction but it was a place between two barriers and there he found the people who could they seemed to be very primitive people but they were under oppression there was another tribe that used to live close by who were just violent like savages I mean, worse than savages. When you hear the description of these, and they were the Ya'juj, Ma'juj, the Gog, Magog, they were the Gog, Magog, the tribe of the Gog, Magog. They were basically just really terrorizing these people. So when he got to this place, these people complained. So he said, "Okay, fine." They said, "We'll, we'll pay you for this." He says, "What Allah has given me, that which my Lord has enabled me with, is superior." But I just need some help from you. So basically he said he built a huge barrier, you could say, and he filled it with metal and all sorts of stuff. Right? With various different types of material because it talks about them having to melt it down to be able to fill it up. And basically the idea is that they Allah then says in verse fifty seven, they've not been able to basically jump over it. And they've not been able to make a hole in it. And every day, according to the hadith, they try. Right? And then after that, they go to sleep. And as the hadith mentions, the wall goes back to normal. So, whatever they've done every day, because it's a promise of Allah that they're not going to come out until the day of judgment is nigh. And when that happens, they will then come out. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says in verse 98: qalahada rahmatun min rabbi. فَإِذَا جَاءَ وَعْدُ رَبِّي جَعَلَهُ Allah will obliterate it when it comes to, uh, when it comes to the time. And uh, otherwise, this was their, a mercy for them. And then, when they come, there's the whole story, which is, not, which is one of the signs of the Day of Judgment, where Isa will initially be helpless against them until he will make a dua. And after they've done all their ravaging, then Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta-A'la will send, send something by which they will all die. That's why Allah says. This then takes us to the Day of Judgment in general. Now who is this ذُلْقَرْنَيْن Literally ذُلْقَرْنَيْن قَرْن uh, means a horn. So قَرْنَيْن means the dual which is the double horn or two horns and generally the idea is you have two horns. Now generally when you're talking about two horns that brings about the idea of the devil but here this is a person is far from being the devil. Dhul means the possessor of two horns the one who sports two horns. Uh, two horns rather some people have tried to claim that this is actually alexandria because they've taken from the idea that he was such a super ruler that he had everything under him so that means he must have been alexandria because they say alexandria was one of the biggest rulers or had the largest expanse of land allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best the problem is that alexandria uh, alexander was um, of macedonia was actually not a believer right whereas this one ذُلْقَرْنَيْنَ uh, is a believer Now the point is that you can go to great depths to figure out you know, who he was and what possibly, who it possibly was and so on but it'd be a waste of time because it doesn't add anything to the objective of what the story is being told here For It's not to try to figure out who he was and what he looked like and what he wore and what his favourite food was but more about the, the point of, again, when you have rule so the nasiha in this case is the rule aspect, right? And uh, as we mentioned, we we talked about the story of Musa The main aspect of the story of Musa is the fitna of knowledge That when you have too much data, too much knowledge And that gives you a superiority complex And this happens a lot You've got lots of people out there who think they know a lot um, Ulama included And that is the challenge for them that they don't look down upon others they don't think they're superior to the others they don't humiliate others they don't denigrate others and they basically act according to the wisdom of their knowledge so that's the understanding of that so you've got um the the religion in one of them the faith you've got wealth the fitna of wealth uh, you uh, the trials of religion the fitna of wealth the fitna of knowledge and the last one was the fitna of uh, uh, leadership rule authority right so that's what we get now the final section of this surah is afa hasiballadhina kafaroo an yattakhidhu ibadi min dooni awliya inna a'tadna jahannama lilkafirina nuzla there are several different themes that are mentioned in this last point this distinction between the people of paradise the people of hell and allah says as he says in 107 innal ladina amanu wa كانت لهم جنات الفردوس نزولا. People who believe and do good deeds for them is jannatul الفردوس as a place for living. فيها لا يبغون عنها Right? They're gonna stay in there forever. They will not want to move from there. A few, a few other things. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's very beautiful. You should read this last part for yourself. Allah says in verse 103. هل ننبئكم Say, tell him. Should I tell you? Should I inform you of the one who's Most lost in terms of his deeds, all of their efforts in the in the life of this world have gone to vain. That's the the, that's the shocker. That's basically the part that's really serious uh, for us. Is that? But they think that they were doing good. They think they were doing good, and there's a lot of people out there who are doing things, and either because they have no sincerity or because they may have sincerity, but they're doing it wrong, it's against Islam, but they're doing it, they're thinking they're helping Islam SubhanAllah, they used to think they were doing good, but all of that is going to be redundant, it's going to go to vain And that's why Allah says that habitat amaluhum, Their deeds are all going to be cancelled So I think that's it, the last, uh, the, the, the last two verses then, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking about Allah's words And this obviously comes down, there was a case uh, and a reason uh, for the revelation of this verse which we don't want to get to but you can read about in the tafsir basically what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that if all the oceans were ink uh, in order to write down all the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then all of those oceans would de- be depleted before Allah's words could be completed Allah's words are infinite all the oceans either this means the words of Allah or the praise of Allah you cannot complete would not be completed even if you used everything. jitna." even if you were to bring a similar amount, another seven oceans. It's just an example. It's just not going to happen. Many Tafsirs have dealt with this in great detail. And uh, that's why the last verse is The one who wants to meet, who is hoping for the meeting with his Lord, then he should do good deeds. وَلَا in, in the worship of His Lord, He should not ascribe any partners. May Allah grant us pure belief. Basically, the, the final lesson from Dhul Qarnayn's story was obviously the fact that when you're a person of authority, then just as these different people asked him for different things, both he was firm. In some places he had to punish. In some places he had to forgive. In some places, if you read the story, you'll see then in the final one, we have to actually help them. And he used many of his own resources as well. And he took help with them. That gives you a number of different lessons uh, f- from that as well. That when you're in a p- position of authority, you need to have the empathy. And you need to have the real concern. You don't just take it to fill in a position. Alhamdulillah. Now we begin Surah Maryam. Surah to Maryam is a very well-known surah because... A lot of new Muslims, or non Muslims, in fact, this is the surah that kind of pointing, that they point the non Muslims to when they want to read part of the Quran. But you have to remember that the story of Maryam is not just here, it's also in Surah Al Baqarah, Surah Ali Imran rather. Surah Ali Imran holds a a large uh, detail as well. And here, there's other aspects of the detail of Maryam Ali's story as well. But the way it starts is again, it starts with the, it's it's a Makki surah with 98 verses, so still around the, it's still in the hundreds, and it has just six sections, so it's quite small because we need to get to Surah Taha, and just like with other Makki surahs, it's going to discuss fundamentals and basics like the oneness of Allah, and resurrection, and reward and punishment, and so on, Uh, but this surah is actually full of the stories of prophets, right, it's got several discussions, uh, mainly about um, uh, both this one, and Taha is also about prophets. In fact, Maryam and Taha are considered to be like sister surahs right, very similar themes and so on, which we'll discuss a bit later. Now the discussion here is that the first the first uh, prophet that is discussed is Zakariya alayhi salam. Allah says, kafhaya zakariyya Amazing. ذِكْرُ رَبِّكَ عَبْدَهُ The way your Lord was merciful to his servant, Zakaria. Could have just said his prophet, said his servant. Because it's when a servant acts like the servant that they become entitled to the greatest reward from Allah. Now look at this carefully. When he called on subtly to his Lord, a subtle call he made to, to Allah. And you know when he did that, when he saw Maryam a.s. with the fruits, she's like, okay, my Lord, he's reinvigorated this uh, desire قَالَ إِنِّي وَهَنَ الْعَظْمُ مِنِّي وَشْتَعَلَ الرَّأْسُ شَيْبًا وَلَمْ شَقِيًّا So essentially these are the things he's saying to Allah This is telling you how to make a dua to Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Especially if you're people who can't have children Who can't have a son sometimes Because that's a big deal for some people and, Or just anything else in life There's something that you really want and you can't, you can't have Now remember he'd become very old his bones had become weak, he mentions that. His w- hair had grayed, become white. His wife was very old and was actually infertile, was barren. Right? Now, Zakari, to say at that time, was about 120 20 years old and his wife was 98. Right, at that time. And it just seemed like impossible to have a child at that age. However, he asks Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he puts his hands up. I don't know if he puts his hands up, but he makes a dua to Allah. And basically he says to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Number one, I'm very weak Number two, I am weak but I am not despondent I am not hopeless Because Walam akum rabbi Basically I've not been, ever been unfortunate when I made a dua to you And then he, the third point So he talks about his weakness He talks about always getting an answer from Allah So there's the hope there and number three, that uh, he, uh, he gave a pious reason, a righteous reason, that I'm worried about leaving the people behind me without a successor. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then gives him a child. And what a child he gives him? He gives him Yahya alayhi salam. Somebody who's never had that name before, Yahya, to be alive. That's the meaning of Yahya. The meaning of Yusuf is Yazid, to, be, to increase, right? as as one individual told me um, uh, actually I was in the Vatican and he told me that right in in Rome uh, it was one of the it was it was actually one of the priests from there his name was Yusuf he's actually a Lebanese Christian who was there so I told him my son's name is Yusuf so he, he said do you know what Yusuf means I, I don't know because Hebrew right so then he said it means Yazid it means increase so all you Yusufs out there maybe you found the meaning of your name now anyway finally he gives him Yahya alayhi salam Yahya alayhi salam is a cousin of Isa alayhi salam as you know and uh, he, he, not only that He gives him all of these qualities He makes him uh, righteous He makes him abid He makes him uh, an ascetic And he makes him a prophet Subhanallah So when Allah gives then Even at that age Allah can give you The next story Which starts from verse 16 Is the story of Maryam وَذْكُرْ فِي الْكِتَابِ Maryam. Now this particular part of the story Is the birth is when she becomes pregnant and then after that she escapes and then where she gives birth and so on today people when they go to Bethlehem or Baytul Lahm there is the, uh, the, the church there which everybody visits and when I visited there there was uh, a Muslim guide uh, who explained a few things and then when nobody else was inside he says I, this is not the place where Isa Al-Islam was born it's actually a few miles off right? Um, because it wasn't a cave they've got the birthplace of Isa Al-Islam in a cave underground. right? You have to go down. He said, clearly, as the Quran mentions, it was besides a palm tree. إلى right? Anyway, the, the, uh, the, the story of Isa is mentioned there. And I want to just fast forward to when she actually has the child. Now she has to come back. And she's carrying a child. And you know what happens then? People start slandering. Especially when you just want to slander people anyway. And of course, this is quite unusual to, uh, for a girl who was just inside having no marriage, having no touch with men, and then suddenly she brings a child at that young age as well. Although I don't think young age was a problem at that time, so Allah had told her what to do anyway. Now, as they confront her, she just points at the child. Now they say, "Fā ashārat So she says, as in verse twenty-nine, she po- she points in the direction of the child. "Kālū fil mahdi sabīya?" How are we gonna, like, are you taking us for a joke or something? How are we gonna speak to the child? But subhanallah, the child suddenly starts. This is Isa alayhi salam. He says, "Qala inni Abdullah, I am the servant of Allah. He starts off with being the servant of Allah, not Prophet, not God, none of that. I mean, God is wrong anyway for him to say that. But that in itself has a very important... He says, Allah gave me the book, which means He will give me the book. He made me a Prophet. He made me blessed wherever I'm going to be. And then He has guided me or instructed me to do Salat and zakat, as long as I stay alive and, and he's not made me arrogant And I have peace on me the day I was born And the day I, I die And the day I have resurrected That is a lot of discussion there To emphasize the point that he is not a god Right? Or as the Americans, he's not a god Right? He is a prophet He is the servant of Allah And that is that is, the, that is Isa, the son of Mary and Allah then says in the next verse, "Ma." walad." It's not for Allah to take a child. Subhana, He's transcendent above that. Uh, whenever He decides anything, it, He just says, be and it is. The way Maryam Marya, Ali actually became pregnant, it mentions in the story that an angel came to her and she's like, you're a man, you know, be careful if you're a pure person and so on. It says, I'm an angel from Allah. He blew into, uh, you know, into the opening of her, uh, of her garment and basically then she just became pregnant. And that's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's kudra. Right? Now you've got two stories of kind of near miraculous births. One was, I mean, when you say miraculous, they were definitely unusual and extraordinary. One is Zakariya alayhi salam having a child at old age. Then Maryam alayhi salam having a child without a father, without a husband, right? That it, really, I mean, for anybody who doesn't have children, who wants a child, this gives a lot of hope. This surah gives a lot of hope, inshaAllah. Now the fact that he says, I've been told to pray Salat and Zakat, is to show that i myself have to do worship i am obliged to do worship i am not to be worshiped there's a lot of subtle indications in there to say that i am not the god and then allah says it very clearly you've had two groups about Isa islam even at that time there were those groups who said he is the son of god right they developed into that group then the others who slandered him they say that he's basically the son of an, he's an illegitimate child right and then of course the others, they've actually said Joseph was the father. So there's actually, they, they say Virgin Mary, but there's a lot of that believe that Joseph is the father. Joseph was a, apparently a relative, Yusuf Al-Najjar. That's his name, Yusuf Al-Najjar, right? He, he, was, he was a relative and he asked her a few questions when he found out she was pregnant, very politely. You can see the mention of that in tafsirs like Ibn Kathir and others. And she responded. Okay, now let's move on from verse 41 to Ibrahim Alayhi salam's story. Now, Ibrahim al story and his just general mention and praise and all of that is mentioned throughout. But in this case, this is another of the discourses with his father. And uh, he's saying, Oh my father, Ya Abati, it's a very polite term, Ya Abati, La ta'abudi shaitan. Don't worship the shaitan because shaitan uh, is disobedient to the most merciful one. And the father just didn't get it. He said, Kala, and alihati ya Ibrahim, are you turning away from uh, my gods, my deities? Oh Ibrahim, if you don't stop doing that, if you don't abandon this um, uh, th- this idea of worshiping somebody else, la Arjumannak. I'm gonna stone you, beat you, wahjurni maliya. Right now, leave me for a while. He said, Salamun Right, I have to leave. That's a tough job. That's a tough idea to leave. One is you stay there and you just deal with it. And he decided to leave. And that's why sometimes when you just leave a place of difficulty, Allah will open up things for you. Don't stay in a place and suffer. There's a lot of people and they've made the migration, especially for the sake of the deen, Allah's made things much easier for them. But just make sure you're doing the right thing. So, then he says that I am going to seek forgiveness for you from my Lord. And the other place already told us, we read before that Allah told uh, that he did that at the beginning, but when he, decided it was, when he realized it wasn't going to happen, he then... Said, I'm not going to do that. Then Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala speaks about. Uh, Allah says that we, when He left and He did the sacrifice, we gave Him Ishaq, we gave Him Ya'qub, and uh, we gave them, we, we made all of them prophets, and we gave them from our mercy Wa Habna mir rahmatina. And then He mentions all that. Now, one thing you have to remember, you have to understand here is that apparently after Isali, after Ibrahim salam, pretty much all the prophets, as far as we know, came from his children. So all the Bani Israel, and then Ismail and then Muhammad, they're all from his children, as far as we know. Because we don't know of any non-Bani Israel prophets except like Ismail and Muhammad and so on. Number two, all the divine books that we know of, the four major books, they're all from prophets and messengers of his children. Then of course he had his own suhuf Ibrahim, he had his own scriptures as well. And then there was a remnant of his faith in Mecca Mukarramah. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about Musa alayhi salam, talks about Harun alayhi salam, talks about Ismail alayhi salam, talks about Idri, uh, Idris alayhi salam, gives a praise or a point like about Ismail salam, he said that he was always true to his promise. Uh, about Ismail, Idris alayhi salam, he says that he was very truthful as well. And, uh, about Ismail, he also said that he used to encourage, uh, he used to order his, peop, uh, his, his family to pray Salat and give zakat. So, Salat and zakat is constantly being emphasized here as well. Anyway, now a very interesting verse, which is verse 58, another sajda verse. <laughs> those are the, those prophets from the progeny of Adam السلام, that we have showered our blessings upon. And from those who were also carried you know, with Nuh And from now the progeny of Ibrahim and Israel. Israel is Ya'qub a.s. Because remember, Ya'qub a.s. had the 12 sons. So you've got 12 tri- tribes that come from there. The Levi and the Levi and all the others. Right? And وَمِمْ Hadayna wa Those that we've guided and we've chosen and then he mentions about this uh, that they would do sujood if, if it was uh, recited upon them. Then Allah says, 59, verse 59: Right? But after them, they had some descendants who, unfortunately, started missing the prayer um, and following their desires. Now they're gonna, they're in for a tough deal except always Allah gives a way out except the one who makes tawbah who believes properly does good deeds and these people will enter paradise and they will not be uh, oppressed and then Allah talks about paradise and gives a whole description of paradise I don't want to get carried away with that because I don't have time otherwise that's some of the best parts of the Quran is the descriptions of paradise now Ibrahim gets all of these virtues that we just discussed because of the Sacrifices that he provided Like un- unnatural sacrifices Undue sacrifice Well, you know, very extraordinary ways Like trying to sacrifice his son and so on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then discusses Hellfire And how many people have been destroyed Who've done wrong Challenging uh, Verse 75 is a challenge But what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying That anybody who does good Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says وَيَزِيدُ اللَّهُ الَّذِينَ those who want guidance and who take the path of guidance, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will increase them in guidance. You do the first part of starting your pursuit of knowledge. Go and take some courses, go and read some tafsirs, uh, go and read further, and you will see that Allah then will only increase your guidance. And then again, وَالْبَاقِيَاتُ salihat This is a constant recurring thing. We've read this, this is probably the third time that the, those perpetual good acts of charity they are better for you according to your Lord in terms of reward. And they're better for you to, uh, you know, to find in the hereafter as well. The last uh, section, starting from 85, that series of verses are absolutely wonderful. Extremely lyrical. We don't have the time to enjoy them properly today. But they are talking about several different things. Number one, they're talking about giving the prophet some consolation that look don't worry about these people we're going to punish them in the right way and we're going to give the believers these good rewards and so on then allah subhanahu wa ta'ala starts to discuss about the christians and they're considering uh, that god has a child and he talks about that so i'm just going to read a few verses i can't i can't stay be, uh, i can't stay without doing that it's just beautiful the way this is read, read uh, the, the way this uh, that's from verse eighty three. Alam Tara An Arsalna Shayatina Al Kafirina Ta Uzuhum Azza Fala Tajal Alahim in Namana Uddula Humadha Yamana Shurul Mutahina Illa Rahmani Wafda Wanasukulmu Jerimina Illa Jawirda Layam Nikuna Shafarata Illa Manitahodhay Dhar Rahmani Ahda. And then it carries on uh, about Isa, Ali, Salah, uh, about the Christians and so on. And then this part here. <laughs> that those who believe and do good deeds, soon Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta-A'la is going to give them love. Allah is going to place love for them. Where He keeps it general. It's not like they love Allah or He loves them, not just that. Allah is going to place love for them, He's going to designate. And a lot love for them. Now that we can maybe understand from a hadith of Jibril salam, that is, these are the guided people who are close to Allah subhanahu wa taala. Then it is basically, as mentioned in the Sahih, the Bukhari and Muslim, right, um, that the Prophet sallallahu told us that when Allah loves somebody, right, they do some good deeds, whatever. Allah loves somebody, He calls Jibril, He says, "I love such and such a person. You love him too." You know this Aisha down there and this Sumayyah, this Safiya. Right, this Yusuf, this Salim, this Musa, this Harun, this Hudayfa, whatever your name is, right? It's Ismail and Zakariya, right? and Abdurrahman, inshaAllah. Right? And uh, uh, I love this person. So you love him as well. Jibril spreads this information among the angels. Angels then come for their activities and their jobs to the earth. It gets spread on the earth. It's subliminal. It's almost like subliminal. And then, يُدَعُ لَهُ الْقُبُولُ فِي الْأَرْضِ uh, acceptance is placed for him in the dunya. And people, you don't know why you love this guy, you just love him. Right? Of course, they're gonna have detractors. Even the Prophet ﷺ had detractors who hated him. But for the majority, it's like you sometimes don't even know why you love him. And that guy is just good, right? There's something good about that person. SubhanAllah, that's natural. That's natural love. That's good, right? Um, and then the opposite is mentioned that if some Allah hates somebody, is angry with somebody, then he he does the same and then people just find that person despicable. They might have to show respect to them because of their position or whatever, but they have no love for them in the heart because the true love is from the heart. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us that qubooliyya. Mm -hmm. فإنما يسرناه بلسانك لتبشر به المتعين وتنذر به قوم Again, the addresses to the Prophet وَكَمْ أَهْلَكْنَا قَبْلَهُمْ مِنْ قَرْنِ هَلْ مِنْ أَوْ So many people we've destroyed in the past who went wrong. This is again to just give comfort to the Prophet ﷺ that don't worry about it. You, they, they have no mention. The people that went wrong before, they have no mention. Right? You won't hear anything about them. Uh, that, uh, that allows us to come to Surah Maryam. Now we begin Surah Taha. Surah Taha is again another Makki surah. It's got slightly longer Verses And it's 135 verses So longer than the previous two surahs It's split up into eight sections Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu relates Who is the Mufassir of the Quran the most, sorry, the most knowledgeable Regarding the Quran He mentions that Surah Taha and Surah Maryam Although Surah Taha was revealed after Surah Maryam I think in terms of Revelation It's the 45th Surah of Revelation Makki Surah And 44th would be Maryam But it's the 20th surah of the Qur'an As we know In the 16th juz So while one was definitely revealed After the other And they're not together They are separate surahs But in terms of their theme and so on They're very similar right? They're they're very complementary And uh, so for example Musa Ali Salaam's story Is mentioned in Surah Maryam In brief And in this surah Surah Taha It's Huge detail. Right? Huge detail. Right? You'll see, like, uh, I'm not sure if it's the majority of the surah, but it's a large, large chunk of the surah. Then you have Adam's story. Again, in Maryam, in, in Surah Maryam, there was a mention. Now, here, there's more detail. And again, there are obviously, it's all about emphasizing the basics of faith. For a lot of us, to be honest, for a lot of us, sometimes it's more useful to learn to read just to strengthen the faith it'd be probably more useful to read the makki surahs with a lot of reflection to strengthen the faith first right before you go into the laws like especially new muslims maybe wallahu alam right because when they start looking at the laws but their faith isn't there yet they're like no that's too difficult when the faith is made right of course the salat and zakat is all mentioned in even in the makki surahs anyway right not to say that they're not responsible for doing all the acts of islam right But it doesn't mean that when somebody becomes Muslim that you must teach them everything the same day and and then basically stand as authority over them and say that if you don't do this, then you're not a good Muslim, you're not a true Muslim. People need time. Now, Taha, what does Taha mean? Taha, it's obviously huruf muqatta'at as well. It's the ta and the Ha. But because it says straight after, the first verse there after Taha is, Taha ma anzalna alayka al Teshka illa tadhkiratan liman yakhshaa tanzeelan min man khalaqal arda wassamawati al-ula says, Allah did not send this upon you, this uh, Allah did not send this Qur'an upon you for you to become disturbed, for you to, to become grieved and all the other words, right? So, uh, the opinion here, the strong opinion here is that Taha is actually the name of the Prophet just as Yasin is. So Yasin and Taha are names of the Prophet and apparently Allah is then addressing the Prophet by another name because Muhammad, the name Muhammad is mentioned very few times in the Quran. We've got a Surah of Muhammad coming up but most of the time it's with adjectives, it's with characteristics, it's with attributes. Which just shows a multiple multiply faceted personality. When you've got so many names, so many attributes, it just shows that you are everything. Rahim and here he calls him Taha. We have not put this we have not revealed this Quran to make it difficult upon you, to create difficulty upon you. Why? What kind of difficulty are we talking about? See the Prophet ﷺ used to exert himself fully in both reciting the Quran for himself and benefiting from it. And number two, uh, in giving the da'wah, in basically inviting people towards it. And those were bo- both things extreme exertion. Exertion in reciting, right? Um, is he would stand after he's dealt with his public duties, comes home, فَإِذَا فرغدا, Once you finish your public duties, فَانْصَب, now make an effort, right? Put that exertion in. So that's what he would do And we know the story from Aisha anha etc. Who used to observe him doing this That he used to stand stand for long periods In his tahajjud We just passed uh, the verse Which I didn't point out That uh, right? That Which was uh, The the Prophet being Obligated to do tahajjud prayer But he used to do very long ones And if you look in the Shamail And we've got lectures on the Shamail The entire Shamail The chapter on the night prayer You'll see in there the different types of rakaats that he used to read there But the point is to do long recitations Amazing, I just wish I could be present to have witnessed one of those Tahajjuds of the Prophet When he's really, you know one is the public prayer Where he's very measured in how much he reads But in the Tahajjud he probably goes all out And there's some descriptions about that I just wish I could have observed that Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad The point here is So he used to make a lot of effort in that Then the other effort is in his da'wah He used to be really upset if somebody doesn't believe He wanted everybody to believe It doesn't matter how many times they would persecute him Swear at him, curse him And he still wants them to believe Even after Ta'if When they blooded his entire body And the angel was there to say, we'll finish them off He said, no, leave it from their children And today Ta'if is a Muslim place right? Subhanallah so that's the prophet so Allah is compassionate with him right he feels that he tells him we didn't do this for you to make you know to go so much into difficulty and to find it so difficult so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is consoling the prophet sallallahu alaihi that's why Allah says that look we didn't reveal this to you to create the difficulty for you illa yakhsha this is only a reminder for those who have the reverent fear of Allah they're going to benefit. If they don't have it, they're not going to have it. Allahu Akbar. Tanzeelan. Revealed from the one who created the, the earth and the heavens, the high heavens. Ar-Rahmanu al-Arshi Stawa. I'll describe this later when it comes to another surah. Ma fi samawati wa ma fil ard. For him is everything. Anyway, then the story of Musa alayhi salam starts. Wahal ataaka hadithu Musa? Has the story of Musa alayhi salam come to you? And the, now, now, the story of Musa alayhi salam starts and several different incidents about Musa a salam are mentioned. But they're not meant necessarily mentioned in order. They're not, there's no linear approach here like it was with Yusuf alayhi salam where it was from the beginning from a young age and it carried on. Here, it kind of says one thing, then it goes back, shows a back scene, right, and then it carries on and uh, it's done very effectively because the purpose of it is to create reminders and lessons from it. So, before I begin the verse, uh, I'm not going to read the verses because obviously it's the whole surah. It starts from verse 9, has the story of Musa come to you. I'm just going to tell you, when you read this inshallah for yourself, the the different incidences that will be mentioned and then I'll point out some verses for you. Again, why is Musa so, so prominently featured through so many surahs in the Qur'an? The reason is that he was the one who had so many extraordinary and unique experiences. Very rich experiences, you can say. Very difficult ones as well with his people. And anybody who ponders over the story of Musa, you know, and with an open mind and open heart and with sincerity, they will learn a lot in their akhlaq and their character and how to behave towards your faith and your prophets. Number two, the other reason is that a lot of it is to do with the Pharaoh. Pharaoh plays a huge part in Musa salam's story. And throughout history, you're always going to have a Pharaoh, a type of a Pharaoh. I'm not calling anybody a Pharaoh right now, but anybody who displays those traits is like a Pharaoh. So then the story is that this is the archi... it's It's a real story, but it provides like an archetype of a story between good and bad, right? Between truth and falsehood, between oppression and the oppressor or the oppressed and the oppressor and it shows how there's always going to be uh, success for those who stick to the faith and there's always going to be assistance to those who are oppressed and there's also going going to be punishment for the oppressors That's basically what we're learning from this So, let's carry on now Initially, the first discussion is about when he becomes a prophet so he's coming back from Madian with his wife, he sees some fire and then that's when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks to him and bestows prophecy upon him. Then after that, it suddenly shoots back as a, I forget what you call those, right? Where you go back scene, right? Uh, it zooms to, uh, to, the, to when he was born and where his mother had to put him into a box. Right, And uh, leave him in the river And she had a string tied to it We'll talk about that in Surah Al-Qasas In the next few days In more detail Then after that It then discusses Fast forwards to when he and his brother His brother was a better speaker than him Because he had a bit of a stutter And there's a reason why he had a stutter Is because it says that at a young age When he was being brought up in the house of Pharaoh Which we'll be discussing later Pharaoh tested him because he was worried Right and he gave him a glass of uh, there were two bowls. one of diamonds or something one of sparkling stones and the other one was fire right and uh, he basically took the fire as a child would and burnt his tongue with it allah knows best that is related allah knows best so he had a stutter that's why harun is constantly with him so he they're then told to go and speak with pharaoh and then the discussion with pharaoh is also or the command there is that make sure you talk to him calmly Even though he calls himself God Allah is saying Talk to him We'll we'll look at those verses Then after that he moves forward To the discussion uh, Or the incident with the the, the whole match Or the challenge with the pharaoh's uh, magicians And how they become Muslim And so on And Pharaoh gets angry and so on. Then after that, very quickly, Pharaoh's very angry now. So then there's the the discussion of the escape. Right? This is the escape of Musa a.s. with the Bani Israel from Egypt. And um, Pharaoh gets his army together and obviously Uh. chases them, but to his own death. And then when they're in the Red Sea, I may have mentioned Nile before in one of the previous parts, right, by mistake. It's actually the Red Sea, not the River Nile. And... That's when Pharaoh is, is killed right, and dies, but his body is thrown up and thus he's mummified and so on. And then the whole discussion about Musa a.s. now dealing not with Pharaoh, but with the Bani Israel, with the Israelites, his own people, and how they would constantly challenge him and all the rest of it. And then the, there's one story that's mentioned with a lot of prominence there is the story of Samiri. Samiri is that one person there who, when Musa a.s. had gone to the meeting with his lord, he, as I mentioned last time, he took the gold that they'd basically stolen from the houses and uh, put it together as a calf and said that this is your God, and Musa a.s. has forgotten. Right? So now it talks about then Musa a.s. coming back, getting angry with his brother, and so on, and then grabbing Samiri and said, Why did you do that for? And then he mentions that Samiri mentions that I saw in verse 96. I saw what they did not see. مِّنْ So I, I took a handful from the place where the, the messenger had passed. فَنَبَضْتُهَا And then I threw it on there. Basically the idea was that it was either Jibreel or whoever it was who was leading them. While Musa wasn't there. And they noticed that every time the, the hooves of the horse of that leader, Jibreel I think it was, Wherever it would land, it, it, things would become green. So he thought, this is really great. This is like some kind of magic dust or something. So he must have grabbed. This is from the explanations. It's not, that's not mentioned in the Quran, but that's alluded to here. So then that's what he had used there. Now, uh, the, the punishment that he was given was this <laughs> you, you now go. He's, he's basically thrown out, he's exiled. And for you now in your life, your job is to just tell anybody who comes up to you, La Misas, no touching me, don't touch me. Right? No touching. And then eventually you will die out as well. So that's his punishment that nobody was allowed to interact with him afterwards. He couldn't interact with anybody afterwards. Now that's a prominent story that's mentioned there about that. And then after that, it talks about Musa, a, sorry, the Bani Israel, messing up in other ways and going astray in other ways and so on. And then Musa bringing the Torah and, and so on and so forth What basically it tells you that the, the following are the lessons that you learn from these stories inshallah, which you will read for yourself That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Protected Musa alayhi salam and his people From Pharaoh and his oppression Right And When he had actually started off As a child who was being basically protected so that he wouldn't be killed And then suddenly he becomes the greatest source of death, you can say, for Pharaoh Number two, how he was, the, another thing you'll understand is that how he was so beloved by the people And the idea is that anybody that would see him, would love him Number three, it discusses that while his mother lost him, in a sense, afterwards although she had some access to him, as we, which we will read in Surah Al-Qasas Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala through miraculous methods miraculous means Allah gave him the best tarbiyah you could have in the royal household of the pharaoh and then still Allah made him the prophet that's why it is a poet who says that wa Musa rabbahu Jibril wa Musa rabbahu right and that's Ida lam yuktabil mar'u Allah knows best about the reality of this, saying that if a person has not been written as fortunate from eternity, from in the Qadr of Allah, then it doesn't matter who brings them up, who gives Tarbi and disciplines them, they'll all go to they'll they'll basically all fail. So the Musa who was brought up by Jibril, right, becomes a Kafir. And the Musa who was brought up by Pharaoh becomes a prophet, a messenger. Who is this Musa that was brought by Jibreel? Apparently Allah knows best the story, if it's a reality or not, but in some extended, I think maybe probably Israelite versions, talks about Samiri actually being a, on a shipwreck with his mother, and then he survived, he's the only one who survived, and Jibreel looked after him and brought him up. Allah knows best. But Musa was definitely brought up by Pharaoh as we know the story, but he becomes a messenger. There's several other things that you will learn from there. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives him prophecy. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks to him and so on. Basically from, you've got the majority, I would say, probably say the majority now, of the verses of this surah are about Musa alayhi salam. However, then after that, there's some beautiful verses which always, you know, I love, I I just love. Again, the sound, uh, the rhythm of it is just perfect for uh, the, the, the content which is... A graphic detail of the day of judgment. So, Allah says in verse hundred and five: Where is <laughs> Aluna ka anil Jabal? Fakul Yasifuha, Rabbi Nasfa, fiytheruha qaa' safsafa. La tara fiha aijoju, wa la amta. Yooma idhi yattabguu nadhairy ala aijojale. Talking about it starts with the description of the mountains because the mountains were the greatest things. That's why the people of Makkah would actually say that, Oh, when your Qiyamah comes, don't worry, we'll go on top of the mountain. They'd never seen anything to destroy a mountain no flood, nothing. That's why Allah is then saying they ask you about the mountains, say that they will be blown right apart, and then we've got numerous, they'll just be scattered. In other words, they will become like cotton wool. Nothing. And then you'll see the land will be just totally flat. You won't see amta. Right? Iwaj, amta. You will see absolutely no crookedness, no up or down. Even if you measured it with a mechanical instrument, you would basically see it's going to become completely flat. And then it's going to say that's going to be the day of huge humility. The eyes will be downcast and so on and so forth. Right? Extremely graphic description of the day of judgment. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about the Qur'an how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the Quran and how He brings the various different discussions in there for people to benefit from. Then after that, starts the discussion of Adam alayhi right? salam. After about the Day of Judgment, uh, again, the story begins with Adam alayhi salam and how the angels were told to prostrate uh, and they did, whereas uh, Iblis didn't. And then uh, Allah says very clearly, ya Adam, right? We said, O Adam, inna هَذَا lak. This is is your enemy Right What is Ojik And of your enemy Of your spouse as well And make sure that They don't take you out of paradise So that you will become uh, You will go into misfortune Right and, and so on The discussion carries on And the story is mentioned About them And you know Taking what they Eating from the The apple or whatever it was That they, they had eaten from And thereafter Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Discusses the punishment an Now let me just, before I get to that I just want to mention a few other uh, Point out a few other verses to you uh, that, are very, that are very inspirational uh, For me at least Again there's a lot of inspiration here There wama tilka biyaminika ya What is that in your hand? He used to carry a staff around asai. Now the, the ulama mentioned here that uh, Allah asked him what's in your hand He could have just said this is my staff but he starts on this long discussion it's uh, my staff i hold on to it right i take support from it i use it to basically get gather leaves for my uh, you know for my animals and i've got lots of other why did he go on he just wanted to prolong that discussion so you know when you finally get to speak to someone you've been spending you know, to speak to a long time right you are like you 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 just start speaking wallahu alam then verse 26 tells us this famous dua which anybody who is having difficult articulating speaking and it's also a dua for those who have a stuttering problem, uh, and also for those who just can't gather their thoughts, right? Who have maybe a problem concentrating and articulating their point well, this is a dua they should read. قَالَ Rabbish, not qala Kala means he said which is uh, expand for me my best, breast, m- make my matter easy for me and remove this knot from my tongue so that they can understand me. So when you're going into a discussion where you want to you know, try to make amends where you're trying to convince somebody to do the right thing, this would be a perfect dua. Even if you don't have a strata, it's a good dua to make. Where you want to give a message, it's a very good dua. min and make there for me my minister from my family, which is Harun. Right? I mean, you can do that. Then maybe you get a Harun as a brother, right? But that's not part of that. You know, for for a purpose for what we're saying. The other thing that I want to point out, the other verse I want to point out, is. A lot of the time Muslims are asked, okay, so what do you guys believe? What's your belief about Christians, about Jews, about atheists, that where they're going to go? And if you're in an interfaith forum, it gets uh, quite difficult to answer that question in an honest way because Allah mentions very clear, clearly where people are supposed to go, right? We've got a few isolated opinions of like Ghazali about certain types of disbelievers and, and, and Ibn Arabi and so on but otherwise the majority, I mean it's very clear what's mentioned in the Quran but it's sometimes uh, not, it's sometimes a difficult answer to give and the best answer to be honest is taught to us by Musa salam. Uh, uh, Allah teaches us in the Quran as Musa Musa's answer so now when he, uh, when he challenged the Pharaoh and says that I've got you know, I'm coming from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala I've got these miracles and so on so Pharaoh and them they ask him a few questions. Fama Rabbi Musa. So he, what? Who's your lord? And that's from verse 49, right? So check these out. Um, Who is your lord? So he answers that. Then he asks the question because he wants to uh, say Fama Barul Qurunil Ula. Okay, so if you're saying that all of these people had the wrong faith, then what about all the earlier generations? So he wants him to probably say something bad so that the people there they're going to think that oh they're saying bad things about my Forefathers about their forefathers, so he gives an answer to that. Fama Balul Qurun il So that is the question: that what's going to happen to people who've died, basically from another faith? So this is the answer he he gives. He says, The knowledge of that is with my Lord in a in a in a record. My Lord never deviates, never goes astray, and does not forget. Allah knows best. You can just literally just say, that knowledge is with Allah. No, but we want to know what it is. Well, that knowledge is with Allah. Right? And if you've got the time to explain it in a nuanced way, then you should explain it as mentioned in the Quran. Right? Okay, another verse is, um, some of you, many of you will actually know this if you've been to graveyards, is the verse 55. مِنْهَا خَلَقْنَاكُمْ وَفِيهَا نُعِيدُكُمْ وَمِنْهَا نُخْرِجُكُمْ تَارَةً That's the du'a you read when you're throwing the, the soil in over a disease, when you're burying them. From it, meaning from the soil we created you, and to it we are returning you, and from it we will take you out and extract you, resurrect you once again. Then after that, a really... Important emotional point is verse sixty-seven. You know when he was challenged by the magicians. So you've got this huge army of magicians in front of you, and you're a single individual. So it's very, very clear here. Musa alayhi salam. It says about him in verse sixty-seven: "For nafsihi Musa." He felt fear in his heart. How am I going to do this? And then wonderful. This is to teach all of us a lesson. When you are confronted by a difficult task, When you got Allah with you behind you, Allah, we said to him, "Do not fear. You are going to be elevated. You're going to be up. You know, you're going to win, basically." And then he told him what to do. So always, when you're in that situation, don't get worried. Call on to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Ya Rabbi, right? Ya Rabbi. Ya Allah Ya Latif And inshallah Allah will help you Nothing wrong with having fear in your heart But when you do have that fear Then turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Verse 82 Huge, huge MashaAllah, huge Gives you huge hope again Wa inni la wa I am ghaffar Not just ghafoor, not just ghafir Allah uses all of these types And one of them means just forgives. Another one means who forgives frequently. Another one who forgives abundantly. The one who forgives huge sins. Ghafar is an exaggerated version of Ghafir. I'm going to be forgiving, oft forgiving of those who seek repentance and who believe and who do good deeds. Thummahtada and then they are guided. Just when I remember the first time when I focused on it, since then it's, you know, it has an impact. Allah says in verse 124, عَنْ ذِكْرِي فَإِنَّ لَهُ مَعِيشَةً The one who stays away from my remembrance, the one who ignores my remembrance, the one who shuns my remembrance, he's going to have a tough life. And SubhanAllah, so many people have come and they've said, you know, I've got the money, I've got everything, I've got material means, but I have a problem in my heart. Not a, cardi, not a cardiological problem not, not, not like a heart condition of that sort Spiritual problem I, have, I can't sleep I have no respite I have no contentment I have no satisfaction I have no tranquility And basically start some dhikr of Allah Remember Allah throughout your day In different means Otherwise Allah says You're going to get a difficult life Ma'ishatan Like a constricted life And finally The last uh, few Verses of the Surah 131 Allah is saying لا تمدن عينيك ما به أزواجا Do not extend your vision And your gaze towards those that we've given Various different luxuries and bounties and, or, luxur- or comforts in the world زهرة الحياة الدنيا They're just adornments of the world لِنَفْتِنَهُمْ فِي We've done this to test them and try them and punish them وَرِزْكُ رَبِّكَ خَيْرٌ وَأَبْقَى the sustenance of your Lord is superior and much further, goes much further, more everlasting. And then Allah says, in order to command the Prophet Command your family to do prayer and stay regular on it. And finally, the last verse, the Prophet is told to tell them, قُلْ you know, you everything is being awaited. You await. You know, you can wait as well to see what the situation is going to be. And you will soon learn who is, who are those of the balanced path and those who are guided. So we ask Allah to make us of the guided ones. Let's just have a quick recap. As I said, it starts off with the story of Dhul Qarnayn Then Suratul Kahf begins, and it begins. Surah Al-Kaf ends rather With the discussion about Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala And being presented in front of Allah And then um, How His words will never end Despite how much Resource you provide Then Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala You see, one thing that I'm going to I'm going to give you two things to As tasks to do for yourself Right? And you can respond on Twitter If you want to Otherwise it's fine Number one The word Rahmah in its various forms right, In its various forms is mentioned about 18 times in Surah Maryam So find them all and see what reasons are being given to receive mercy And maybe inshallah we'll be given that as well So that's one thing, 18 times that Number two, there are five mentions of or benefits of taqwa That's mentioned in this surah Not directly, kind of indirectly Try to find those, try to figure those out and inshallah that will be of benefit as well. Anyway, then the story starts off with the story of Zakaria alayhi salam, then the story of the birth uh, the birth of Isa alayhi with, salam uh, with Maryam alayhi salam and then there's Ibrahim alayhi discourse with his father and living on. Then other prophets are mentioned. Then importance of uh, thinking about all the characteristics and details about those prophets that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned about telling the family to pray salat and give zakat and so on. Then after that, there's a discussion about being presented on the day of resurrection and so on. Then it's the discussion in Surah Taha begins and majority of that is the discussion of Musa Alayhi life and the various different incidences in, in uh, the, the, the different parts of it. The discussion of Samiri and, and everything. I don't need to recap all of the incidents of Musa Alayhi um, But then the last section again discusses uh, presentation in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the Day of Judgment for everybody and reminder of people to be protected from the shaitan because he's an enemy. Right? And, and finally, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to not look at those who've been given more than you and also to tell your family and to encourage your family to remain very firm on prayer in, in the right way. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us and our entire progeny until the day of judgment, those who will be of the establishers of the prayer. InshaAllah. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make the remaining of this easy for us and bless us with it. Alhamdulillah, um, I've received several messages of various. And today, a, a brother who's blind, he actually called me, and that really uh, touched me uh, as well that he's, that he's been given an opportunity to learn. Of course, the task is difficult, right, to study the Quran. But as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, at the beginning, the Prophet ﷺ of Taha, that the Prophet ﷺ used to make his best effort to fulfill the rights of the Quran. It takes a, a time to uh, prepare this, uh, to deliver it. It takes time for you to sit and listen, for you to be patient, to listen, right? And, and so on. But we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us the rewards, even though our efforts are, uh, are weak and we have shortcomings, and allow, allow us to finish the rest of it and make this Ramadan better than any Ramadan before it and allow this to be the beginning of the journey of the Quran for us and the advancement of it wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin jazakumullahu khairan assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullah